You're listening to Art of the Flow. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where float centers thrive, our weekly podcast where we tell our stories of starting, running our float centers, and where we share our, all of our insights along the way. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, the Facebook, all on Art of the Float, or at Art of the Float. And uh, as always, you can join the conversation by leaving a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com, that gold bar on the left side of the screen. That's an important one, especially today. I think we have a very important speak pipe that came into our inbox this week. So I'm really excited to share that and for the crew to, uh, to go over this one. Uh, I'm Dylan. I own the float shop with Sandra Calm in Portland, Oregon. I'm joined with Amy of Float Nashville and Lance of the Float Shack in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. We're going to be taking a deep dive on his float center today and uh, just pick at every scab we can find. So we're going to have a fun time with this one tonight. And, uh, and um, I also want to mention that we're all available for consulting. And uh, if you're also just interested in supporting the show, uh, you can click on the Amazon link uh, that's on the products page. And uh, we'll provide that in the show notes as well. But um, anytime you shop through Amazon or if you bookmark that address, it helps support the show. And uh, we certainly appreciate that. It doesn't cost you anything, yet you can still help us uh, sail this ship. So thank you guys so much for doing that. We truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to FloatAway, of course. www.floataway.com is what you want to uh, go to to check out Tranquility Tanks. I've got an update on our old Tranquility Tank. As you know, we've replaced our old one with a brand spanking new one. And uh, our old one is being shipped away next Tuesday. So as of the recording of our next episode, it will be gone. And uh, it's it's bittersweet. Obviously, the new tank has been awesome for us, but that all our memories are in that tank. And I'm just so excited that their tanks are just... Well, they're tanks. Uh, they, they, they're beasts. They uh, are very durable. They're built to last. And so the next uh, group of people are going to be able to put that together and use that for their float, float tank center just, just the same way we did. So that's really exciting. If you're interested in a new or used Tranquility float tank, again, www.floataway.com is where you want to go to. Whew. So we had, by the way, welcome, guys. How are you doing? Hey. <laughs> I want to... Uh, How? I'm... Fantastic. How are you doing, Dylan? Uh, we shouldn't. I'm a little down tonight, honestly. I'm a little worried about our environment oh. and all that stuff. I'm, I'm a little bit down, but I don't want to go down that alley. <laughs> I'll try to keep the energy up. Lance, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm a little bit tired today. I had a late night last night, but uh, I'm here. I'm alive. Is that a. Is Talking that a, in front of a microphone. <laughs> is that a busy work night or is that a busy. Uh, Fun night. Yeah, I left the shack around about 3.30 last night. Mm. So I decided to do some work on a tank, and then, yeah, things just took a little longer than anticipated because some errors and some spraying water places I shouldn't have. <laughs> and, you Wait, know, you said that like never that. happened to you last episode. <laughs> well, it's happened to me twice in, like, three days <laughs> in the exact Dead. same way. I didn't learn from my mistakes. So, wow. Um, so, so I, um, you posted in Float Collective, I believe it was, or maybe it was your personal page. I'm sorry if I'm getting the two confused, but your uh, modified float tank. Yes. Is that is that what you were working on until three in the morning? Yeah, I was working on my Oasis. That thing is so, so. dope looking. <laughs> that is so cool. Uh, first thing I thought of was that's just a Tron light cycle right there. That is just the coolest. 
And then I realized everybody else had already posted that as well after I made the comment. But uh, can you tell me about that? I want to go into like everybody's weeks and everything going on, but what what did you do there to make that cool effect in your tank? Well, for the longest time, we have never had lights in our Oasis, um, mainly because... Well, one, the liner makes it difficult to put lighting in there. And a lot of the other lighting I have seen, I, I'm i just not a fan of. I don't like seeing cords. I don't like tacky buttons. I don't like spotlighting. Lighting is a thing for me. I'm like a light fiend. Like, you know, I get excited off LEDs and programming lights and all that fun stuff. So um, I got some bioluminescent wire, which is basically a copper wire that is uh, coated in a phosphorus. And when you send an AC current through it, it actually lights up. So it's basically like a wire, like sort of, I don't know, like a noodle-y wire that um, is a seamless light. So there's no diodes, there's no hot spots, there's nothing Uh like that. You basically make it as long or as short as you want, as long as you have proper power going to it. Uh Um, But yeah, that's what I end up putting in between the top and the bottom of the Oasis. And um, I just... Hot glued it um, in the spots I needed it to, and then I ran beads of silicone uh, like we always do um, to the top and the bottom. So um, it's tucked away behind some silicone. No one should ever touch it unless they get poking at it, but I sure hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, Um, knowing our clients, if it can, it will happen. (laughs) But no, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's awesome looking. Congratulations. And it is actually up and running at this point or no? Yeah, we well, we had it running awesome. last week, okay, so um, it's been running for a week, except for we had some major slip issues. So I ended up oh, putting, right, I think yeah. I said on my on the last episode, I had some grip tape from a skateboard shop I had in there, and um, that was good, but it sort of, if you stepped off that, it was like black ice. It was, it was oh, really, wow. really, really slippery, so I was very hesitant to even put people in that float tank during the week. Um, only people that you know were regulars or knew what was going on. I give them a good walkthrough. So um, yesterday morning, our maintenance day, um, I pumped the tank out to put in anti-slip strips. So I got about halfway up the tank of just some like anti-slip tip strips that you would see used in a bathtub or something like right. that. Okay. And um, I should probably rewind that a little bit. So okay. this oasis. We uh, removed the liner from. For those of you that don't know, so, right? That's an important um, piece, right? Yeah, we're, we have a linerless oasis. We took the liner out, and we actually used hot water line or a hydronic-style heating to keep it hot. Um, during the week, we've been tuning it in. Um, we've plumbed in a pump and stuff like that, and it turns out it's way overkill because um, we have a lot of heat being held, so we've actually had to like tune down our flow <laughs> to almost a trickle. Um, but it's almost to the point where it's like a hands-off it shouldn't oh, cool. you know fluctuate within our, our like degree and a half we want to keep everything in um so and, and what's yeah, the system to heat it again uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's called like a hydronic heating or some people call it a radiant style heating um, but it's similar to what you would see for underfloor heating where you basically take hot water from your building and you circulate it um, over what they call a heat sink, something that will absorb and disperse that heat. And um, it's quite an efficient system. So, so um, cool. we managed to that. put that in our oasis, and we've been running it for a week. And first thing we noticed, uh, it's extremely slippery. Right. <laughs> so we had to fix that. 
and um, just tuning in the temperature. So right now um, we got some lighting in there, which is pretty cool. Um, I'll well definitely put some pictures up there for, for those of you who haven't seen it yet. Absolutely. And we got linerless and we got the hydronic heating. So I'm very excited to see the future of this Oasis. And then I don't think our others will be far behind it with the oh, upgrades. Wow. Cool, cool. Is there a reason you're moving away from liners? Is that what it is? Or what's your reasoning? Well, how it originally happened is we found a hole in our liner. Right, right. And we didn't want to have to order from the manufacturer and pay the duty and the shipping and all that stuff that we have to deal with when, you know, we're ordering from the States to Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really want to call around and send measurements over the phone because um, one thing that bothered me is the curvature of some of the tanks, if that's not right to the person sewing that liner, your liner may not fit properly and you may have bubbles. So we didn't want to deal with that. And we like to tinker. Like <laughs> if for anyone that's listening to this podcast knows that I constantly, Matthew and I constantly have multiple projects on the go that we're doing. I don't think we've ever like stopped and not had something on the go, but uh, yeah, we wanted to just do something different and see what we can do. So that's why uh, we don't have the liner, and it's working. I don't think the coating's going to hold up for a very long time, like the the, the gel coating on the acrylic. Um, but um, hopefully this summer, when it slows down a bit, we'll be able to drain the water, sand it, um, actually spray the, the base in with the anti-slip, and then oh, a fresh cool. coat of white, or maybe not white. Who knows? We might uh, do something different, because nice. there are no rules. Just let you dark. know. Glow in the dark there are no <laughs> rules. And anyone that says there is, I challenge you to a duel. Nice. Nice. So. Um, anything else going on with you, Lance? Um, yeah, there's a lot going on with me. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's keep it to business. <laughs> I, don't, don't lay it all out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's my therapy session here. Right. All right, guys. This is a special four-hour episode tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to hear about Amy's week because I've just worked, worked, worked. We had an expo <laughs> we went to, long hours, work, work, work. Amy's in Viva Las yes. Vegas, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you sucker. <laughs> <laughs> been in a business, been in an office all week. Uh, yeah. But you know, to be honest, to be honest and to be fair, we are entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs never really take vacation. Not really. So it's true. I'm not at my office. I'm across the uh, states from far away from Nashville. And I am here and everything we do, we have done from the beginning. The interesting thing about Vegas, let me back up. The interesting thing about Vegas is they're known for their hospitality industry. Mm. And Vegas is all about the big wow. So it's been interesting as we've gone through, we've gone to different casinos, we've gone to different dinners and shows and that sort of thing. Um, there's been a lot of discussion and a lot of note taking and a lot of contemplation on how are these people um, putting together an experience, something that really oh, I see. is, you know, gives you an emotional connection. Um, so we're noticing things like as we walk through the casino. Um, I happen to know um, we use the Aromatech system, so we do. We are very big on aromatherapy in our space, and I happen to know that a few of these casinos also use the Aromatech system. Yep. And as talking to my 
uh, representative, he was saying about how different parts of the casino have different scents. Oh. And so we'd be walking through the casino in the hotel and we'd go into a different room and be like, Mark, this is my business partner. I'm like, look, the scent changed. Now it smells like, and we, we recognize some of the scents, some things that we actually <laughs> considered in our float center. <laughs> but it was very interesting to see how they would change and switch scents, sounds, mm. Uh, carpet colors mm. in each of these areas mm -hmm. and lighting. And Lance was talking about lighting, what an important thing it is. And it was so fascinating. In fact, I think most of my pictures are pictures of lights and lighting <laughs> and ambiance, um, the way that they've arranged chairs, the, the materials that they used. So there was so much to learn. There's so much to learn this week. Um, which means that I'd come back to the hotel and I'd write and I'd take notes. And of course, I did have to do some work. Okay. You know, there's always things to be written, phone calls to make, emails to be returned. Mm -hmm. uh, I had to do some, uh, some ad writing this week. So it wasn't all, wasn't all fun and games, but it was all fun, I should say. Cool. Good. Yeah. And yeah. we went to a float center. Oh, you did? Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Vegas Float Center. So I, I was curious about that. Oh, sweet. Did I you got my float in? You did. You floated. Hey, cool. I nice. Did. Nice. Yeah. Glad so to hear that. It's been good. Wow, that's a real but vacation. I, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, just, it feels kind of decadent. But um, in fact, as I'm, I'm, I know I've said this a few times to you guys, but as we're recording tonight, I'm looking out the window and I have this, we're on the 33rd floor of our hotel and we have a, just one beautiful shot straight down the strip and I've watched the Bellagio fountains go off and there's just, it feels very decadent. It feels mm -hmm. very good. Now I have to give this up tomorrow. We're heading back home, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's good to have this. I feel refreshed. I feel ready to cool. go back and you know tweak some things, change some things, and um, bring some bring some freshness to the to the customer experience. Nice, nice. yeah. But I, I thought what I thought Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas. Oh, shoot. oh well, you Sorry, know Amy. we had it all wrong. But, all the secrets Lance, are in Vegas. You told me there were no rules. Oh, oh, yes. oh, yes. oh. Yes. <laughs> you know. Dang, I challenged myself right. to a wow. duel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know who wins that one. Yeah, but uh, I, I must say, like the first time I ever went to Vegas, that is one thing that stuck with me is how every hotel had their own scent. And right when you walk through the door, the fans would like blow it on you and you'd be immersed. And that would set the tone for that hotel. Like Interesting. Somehow. Yeah, that's the the psychology behind Vegas, like Amy was saying, is is some of the best in the world. Um, they want you to stay awake. <laughs> they right, want you to, right. to, to buy and to buy and to buy and to drink. <laughs> and, to, so, yeah, and to drink. Um, <laughs> all the drink. systems are in place to make you do that. So mm -hmm. if you're in Vegas, mm -hmm. take a sniff around for a bit, you know, yeah. look around. I There's did some not cool notice that. That's some lighting. Amy, would you take a picture of your uh, from your window? Oh, heck yeah. I've already <laughs> taken a million. Twist your arm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Because I'd love to share that. It's so beautiful. It, yeah. Lance, there's so much. Um, there's so much for us all to learn about that experience, about how to wow people and how to create that emotional connection. And I think that's what we're going to be talking about uh, a little bit more tonight. Yeah, that's true, huh? Um, but uh, yeah, there's and there's so much to learn. It never ends. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I, I love that. <laughs> You're getting things out of this for your business and everything, but it sounds to me like this has mostly been a true vacation. Is that true? Or 
Because usually you go out of town and you're just working yeah. your ass off. You're, 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 allowed, you're allowed to admit that right? you took a vacation. It's okay. Yeah. We're here no, for you. I, <laughs> you're here for me. It's okay. We can talk about it. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I'm going to kind of make a confession in that, uh, you know, we've been in business three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And these last, especially the last year and a half, has been real tough mm-hmm. for me. Um, as a human being, for me, what really makes me happy and what really um and what really keeps me going and keeps me motivated is uh is my passion for travel and my passion for adventure and I'm not saying that I ad- adventure has to be this huge massive adventure it can be like going to a new uh, restaurant or sure. you know going and hiking a new part of the park mm-hmm. uh, but I need that stimulation, that's me personally, and I have not mm. made time for that, and I haven't had money for that. Let's face it, mm. I own um, I own a business, and when you're trying to grow, you can't take money. Number one, there's not a whole lot of money to take, but number two, when you're trying to make your books look good, you can't take out money. You have to sacrifice for that. You have to have your books in a certain way. So this year, I realized I was burning out. Uh, I was having a lot of the symptoms. I was really struggling and almost... At one point, I don't want to say I walked away from everything. That's not true. I, but I was to the point where I was thinking, what's next? And wow. maybe it's not floating. Uh, and it was tough. But uh, So I told myself this year, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to take the time. I'm going to take the money. I've been working some extra jobs. I've been doing some extra things to bring in money. And this year is going to be packed full of traveling. So uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be reporting from lots of <laughs> areas this year. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you got to take care of yourself first. It's true. It sounds like something, it sounds so cliche. It's something we say every day. But when you're not happy, when you're not taking the time to do whatever it is that feeds you as a human being, whether that be, for me, it's adventure and travel. For some people, it's, you know, um, going to, to the spa every, you know, how luxurious it would be to go to the spa every week. Or, or for some people, it's getting out in the garden or whatever it is that feeds you. If you do not take the time, you will not be a happy person. And that's really what it was. I was angry. I was depressed. I was um, I was frustrated. And I'm not going to do that to myself. We're here to, uh, to give people relief and to give people a new lease on life and to give people the opportunity to live at a higher quality than they're living at right now. And I'm going to do that for them and I'm going to do it for myself because both of those things are important. Yay, congratulations. Damn. <laughs> Sorry, soapboxes. Man, that's great. I have stepped off. <laughs> I feel so good about that, Amy. It's uh, Breach it. <laughs> that's good stuff. Oh, man. Lots of working vacations this year. Good. It's good for us. Good. Uh, we... But I'm not the only one with news, Dylan. Oh? I see that you've got some stuff. Yeah, I've heard that you've got some stuff going on this past week. Nah, nothing too big. Me, well, little old me. No. Well, yeah, we are. You. The tranquility is leaving us, which is which is great. It uh, means a parking spot is available at the thrift shop. That's important. <laughs> uh, but uh, we had our employee a monthly employee meeting. We didn't have one in December, so uh, we finally had an employee meeting. Covered all the holiday stuff, which again, you know, had some major disappointments. What with our website getting hacked and our online sales kind of kind of taking a Mm. kick in the pants uh that was that was a little rough um something really cool is that we're updating our uh we we covered this in the meeting to update our hydrogen peroxide testing um and i'll provide a link to this but uh there's been some 
information that's come out about uh, hydrogen peroxide testing and the accuracy of it. And uh, my whole thing is with the test strips that we use, and I think most people use, is um, as long as we have active hydrogen peroxide, we're good, you know? And, and it's actually a pretty safe buffer range before you're endangering anybody or you're going to bleach uh, Lance's beard, I guess. You know, it's not, it's not <laughs> that sensitive. So um, I've just always said, like, hey, just, like, stick with the strips. Didn't really look into it. Um, but uh, these, this new system, which is a little, little time-consuming. I'm worried at the beginning about how long it's going to tank. <laughs> tank. Take with four tanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get here on Those, the float. Great float. Dad puns. jokes just keep on coming. <laughs> Jeez, that wasn't intentional. So uh, with, with this one, you add these three different um, liquids into your uh, little little beaker. It's technically not a beaker, but little beaker with uh, your float tank water, and it um, tells you a very accurately how much you have. And it's been. Uh, the company has said it is accurate even in salt water, which these test strips do not appear to be. And we uh, demonstrated today um, that uh, they aren't, uh, uh, they don't match, excuse me, is what I meant to say. Mm -hmm. So uh, the most convincing part to me was that uh, it's cheaper this way. Even though I'm dealing with all these other little chemicals and it takes a little bit longer to do, uh, it's going to save us a lot of money in the long run because those test strips are expensive. Uh, so mm -hmm. I am very excited to switch to something where, A, we're going to be more accurate, and B, I get to save money. So uh, that's rarely, rarely the way it goes, but uh, makes it nice and easy for, for us. So, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. Oh, and so I would uh, strongly encourage anybody out there to get these uh, Taylor test kits, and I'll put a link to that in our show notes as well. Um, seems like a, an important step forward for the industry. Lance, were you going to ask something? Wow. Uh, I don't it's know okay. what I was going to ask oh. or say, but uh, like like you said, hydrogen peroxide's in the water or it's not in the water. Mm -hmm. Does it matter if you're measuring at 80 parts per million or 87 parts per million? No. Like, you got such a large range there. You know, yeah. It's, um, but yeah, you know, per check it out, see if it's a system that works for you, but... Don't like really stress yourself on having you know pinpointed to the exact part per million of hydrogen peroxide. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a good point, and that's kind of been my argument for years of of not really looking into it a whole lot, which probably isn't the best thing to say. But uh, is that if you've got active Screw. hydrogen peroxide, you're good, you know. And again, like if you're going way, if you're going to two hundreds, then then we're, we've got an issue here. But the standard strips don't even. I mean, if it goes black, then you've got an issue. Um, and even then, it's not necessarily that urgent. I I, I don't want to say. Uh, I, it's, I, it's, yeah, yeah, I just want to say like don't. You can stress about hydrogen peroxide, but make sure you're checking your UV bulbs. <laughs> make sure you're cleaning those quartz sleeves. That's something that's a lot of for, a lot of people forget about, mm -hmm. and I think that's that's very very important to be doing. Um, you could have a three bulb system and two bulbs burn out, and your hydrogen or your UV lights barely doing its job. You can have, you know, tons of peroxide in there, but it's not running at the top efficiency. So I don't know why I had to throw that in there. I'm just. And, you know, Dylan, we're actually getting ready to change over to Taylor as well. Okay. And the reason for us, number one, the cost, but number two is we have, especially more often than late, and I'm not sure why, uh, we're finding that our test strips aren't working at all. As in, 
were testing the water and they're they're staying white huh. and i'm like oh my gosh there's no hydrogen peroxide yeah. and we're freaking out trying to add more and it's like it's not showing up and we'll get another tube of test strips and all and they're like you know turn in dark blue no way. it's like oh run the tank run the tank yeah. run the tank they, um <laughs> they do expire so, yeah, yeah. Well, ours, we're not an expiration. We're actually having this problem. We, I, I think we, I don't know if it's a batch. I've talked uh-huh. to them about mm-hmm. it. Um, they've been great about replacing it, albeit very, very slowly. Sure. Um, but the fact that we're ha- we seem to be having more and more of this issue mm-hmm. is enough to make it. Because we are required to show where H2O2 is. We are required yeah. to measure it. And when our inspector comes, we have to show right, right. that we're meeting the requirements. So it's for us, it's... It, mm-hmm. it can be the difference between a hundred and a, you know, ninety-five or ninety-four on our, on our thing. And I, oh, I have right. issues with yeah. anything. Less. I, I'm I a type to, A personality. I have to agree with you both. The strips, you know, they can be all over the place. I've had it, like you said, Amy, where some don't, you know, they they just don't work at all. And I just assume that you know we bought ten of them and they just threw in an expired one, you know, <laughs> and sold us nine good ones, one expired one, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely look into getting that Taylor kit here. I was going to order some strips this week. I think yeah. maybe I'll just order that Taylor <laughs> kit. But yeah, I'm test still it out. Not see con- if it works for you. I, I'm not concerned about accuracy. I'm just concerned with uh, presence. Either it's there or not. I like to yep. maintain between, uh, like, uh, we like it around 100. That's where we like to sit, between 80 and 100. And um, we found a number that works for us. Mm-hmm. We inject 20 milliliters three times a day, and we usually don't fall from fall far. I'm on a podcast here. We don't fall far from that number. Cool, good uh, job, Lance. (laughs) Uh, And and for for those who aren't like uh, adding hydrogen peroxide three times a day, I I think again the Taylor. What I'm assuming is going to be more accurate amounts to pour in, so that we're just uh, maintaining a solid amount. And that now, I mean, even with the test strips, it's going to be really odd if you drop to zero and like then you need to shock it or anything like that but i think this just brings brings the float industry game up a notch just to make it more of a science and i have a feeling um five years from now i don't even think test strips will be well maybe not allowed but i I don't think that'll be the industry standard i think um this this will be the the future of it so interesting thing uh in the state of tennessee and most other states when testing h2o2 Strips are not allowed. In fact, that was one thing Ashcon said to me. He's like, they let you use strips. Oh, right. And I'm like, well, yeah, they haven't even suggested anything else. Uh, so I think overall, I do believe the industry will be moving towards that just because of, as we're uh, regulated, I think that might become yeah. an issue. And also, like I said, it's happening more and more often. It's a pain in the butt. Right. Oh, and we'll know. save like I think it's uh, approximately a thousand dollars is our estimate a year. And hey, I'll, yep. I'll I will take a thousand dollars. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So why not? I believe it. Um, Lancer, a few more things I think you wanted to share about what's going on at the Z Shack before we take the deep dive into the float shack. <laughs> yeah, I thought I um, I may have spoke last week talking about the expo we had coming up. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we were pretty excited for that. It's our third year going to the same sort of Central Alberta expo. Um, but yeah, we complained last year. <laughs> Maybe it's a lesson learned. So they do this really stupid thing <laughs> where they have this stage in the middle of this expo where they get people to perform things. Whoever wants to be a sponsor can do, go do kettlebells or you know, dancing or whatever you want to, mm-hmm. you know, show on the stage. But they use these giant, like, PA loudspeakers, and they set them up at 
the stage is in one corner of the room and they want all the noise to travel past this whole pavilion. Mm. So last year we complained and said it is too, ex it's extremely loud. Like it's uncomfortable. We can't talk to clients. You know, I, I filled out the form at the end saying how happy we are with the service and all that. And we weren't, it was hard. Um, you know, when you're there to spread education and people like don't want to talk to you because they, they have a hard time hearing you. They'd rather just, you know, pass by. So this year, we're put right beside the speaker. <laughs> oh. So I, I wasn't very happy with that. And when they started the expo in the morning, um, since I, I'm sure our concerns were heard last year, the announcer started off by saying, don't complain about the sound. The sound is what it is. And so that got me pretty worked up. And <laughs> wow. It got louder and louder and louder to the point where I had earplugs in. And nobody was like stopping because they were just walking by with their fingers in their ears, uh. walking past. But I end up like complaining again <laughs> and like letting the show organizer know, like, you know, it's completely unprofessional. They're, the the people that are paying to be here aren't happy. The, you know, the people in the booths aren't happy. No one's happy. And they end up turning it down for us. And this was huh. when the show was about, you know, five eighths of the way over. And right when they started turning it down, we started selling stuff, started selling memberships. And, you know, it was a little late in the day before they turned it down, but we yeah. sold a few memberships. It was better huh. than the other years, but, um, you know, it's just something that, that we weren't happy with. So um, I, as an expo fail for us. So, um, <laughs> not Hashtag really our part. We had sort of, we had some marketing material, but we didn't have it all. So sort of a fail on my part for not having everything there. But... Um, the expo itself was was not a great place to attract people <laughs> for a calm environment when right. you know it's so energetic. But suck hear that. Yeah. yeah, and then we've just been selling memberships. Like every day we're selling memberships, yearly memberships, monthly memberships, and it feels good. So I'm gonna keep on that trend for the rest of the year. And uh, yeah, nice. I've got so I've got a question for you. You mentioned that you sold memberships at the uh, the trade show. Yeah. And what were your offerings and the people who bought memberships, were they people who have floated before or not? I'm curious. Uh, one person floated. Uh, the rest didn't float. <laughs> nice. Good <laughs> and job. And <laughs> we were basically just offering $10 off our membership if they signed up that day. It was a one day only offer. So they signed up, they, they know the commitment and they're in. And I think they booked their floats, too. So uh, a lot of people have heard of us, um, but they didn't know where we were. They didn't know, like, all the, the things. Like, oh, I've been wanting to try that for, for two years now. And, like, now's my chance. Oh, perfect. And uh, they were signing up there. But uh, we didn't sell as many as we liked, but it was still good to get out there and um, have people sign up. So, so you did um, We didn't again. have any sales. Like, we didn't really have any marketing material besides our pictures or business cards and like some posters, but we weren't like advertising. We just had a little sign that says memberships, $39 today only, you nice. know, sign up. And, uh, yeah. So there's nothing salesy about it. It was people that were genuinely interested that genuinely wanting to make floating part of their practice. So it's all good. Very nice. Was there any contract with that? Like a six month contract for $10 off or does it just, Bind into uh, it forever. Well, our goal with this was to get like long term clients with mm -hmm. this. 
So um, we just had a two-month commitment. So I have for two months. You can keep this $39 rate as long as you want, as long as you don't cancel. So if you cancel, you won't cool. get that rate again. So um, that's Bow-bow. what we really wanted to do to, yeah, to lock these people in. But I, like I said, we didn't get as many as we want. We had a goal, and we didn't meet it. But uh, we'll get that some other way. And, and you are going back next year, do you think? No, I don't think I'm going to. Okay. And the float shack at all, not just you. But, no, okay. No float shack at all. <laughs> Better ways to. No, I voiced my concerns, and they didn't change it. And I fully support things like that. But when we're paying X amount, a hundred dollars, yeah. um, to be there, and they don't listen to our concerns, like that's something I've noticed in my like local business community. When I get around other business owners, is um, even going to town meetings and things like that, I just feel like. I'm not scared to speak my mind, and I say it how it is. And if something's not right, I'll say it. Some people get offended by it, but some people actually like, oh, he has a point. Let's, you know, change this. And, you know, if you're not there for your customers and the people that are paying you, like, you know, I'm not going to support that. Maybe I'm the Grinch or the Scrooge mm-hmm. and the angry, angry old ball guy. I don't think, well, may, maybe that, but not a Grinch, not a Grinch. <laughs> So there, I feel like we've already started the the float shack deep dive, and I I want to go. For, <laughs> should I not call it the deep dive? Where all this financials, everything's going to be. Call, up there. call it whatever you want. <laughs> all right, just don't call you late for dinner. So uh, I just want to give. Oh, actually, gosh darn it, um, I I do want to give a shout out to Helm, of course, and actually that was another thing that. Um, we talked about uh, at our employee meeting was uh, the manual, but I also want to let people know that we're going to play a very important speak pipe as well. Um, but uh, back to float helm, if I can. Um, that's just a feature that we've ignored for a while just because uh, we, it doesn't do images. And so finally, after years here, I've realized when I first created the manual, I added a bunch of images and there are no new images that have been put in for years. Uh, we just, it's all text-based, and then um, we show people in, in, in person as well to, to back it up. Uh, so what we've decided is that if we ever need, oh, so we decided to transfer all the Google Drive into Helm, and what was brought to my attention was something that I, I knew a long time ago and forgot, which is you can then say um, all these employees need to have checked that they have read it. So if we update our Google Drive, we can make a logbook that says, hey, be sure to read this. But this actually says you signed off, you know these instructions. So when somebody, you know, a week later hasn't clicked that box and they've worked every day that week, uh, then, you know, it's time for a conversation or what have you. But I love that little feature there. I think that's awesome. The workaround as far as the uh, images go is if we ever need to, we'll just have a link that goes to Google Drive that just brings you to that picture or video if we ever need to have a video in there as well. So um, that is way better for me to have that option in there. And again, mm-hmm. it's one less tab that's open. It's bringing it all into Float Helm. It just simplifies everything. This is the one place where we do all of our things. So it's just getting, we're, we're using it more and more efficiently and I like that. Uh, www.floathelm.com is where you want to go to check that out if you want to check out Float Helm. All right. I want to play a speak pipe for you guys. Tell me what you think here. And here we go. Hi. Um, I'd just like to say something about the article that's been written today. I had my um, first float um, 
yesterday and um, I experienced it as being really, really, really cold and uncomfortable, um, uncomfortable enough that I had to get out of the float early. Um, I'm a person of, uh, that, that's not very well and uh, when I said that the temp of the, the water was too cold for me to stay in the pod, um, all I was met with was this lady describing to me how nobody else had complained um, about the water being too cold and when she checked the temperature it was 32 and um, so something was wrong with it or it hadn't been placed at the right temperature. And uh, my experience of it coming away from it was that, OK, this is a real money making business and perhaps people are not warming their tanks up enough um, for those of us who wish for it to be a bit warmer because of the running costs, um, which is a really disappointing um, ethos, if that's the case. And uh, so anyway, I've got another two floats booked with this place. And hopefully they're going to raise the temperature for me so that I can enjoy the experience and uh, get more from my float. And um, yeah, and I, I really disagree with the comments on here of, about people needing to adapt to the tank. I think that um, people who are offering floats to people need to adapt to their customers' needs to um, the inner well-being of their customers and to take into consideration medical problems that may lower people's core temperatures and therefore adjust things um, according to the customer instead of being kind of puritanical about it and saying, okay, well, it's, um, it, it's uh, the customer that needs to adapt to the tank. <laughs> if that's the case, then I wouldn't be going back because um, if you're spending quite a lot of money on floats, what you don't want to be doing um, is having people saying things like that to you. You need to uh, adjust <laughs> to the tank as part of your healing process. Um, nothing healing um, or restorative can happen to anybody if they're uncomfortable and uh, they're struggling to get through a float, uh, where it could be a pleasant experience and a healing experience if one feels um, that one is at least warm. Thank you. That is a great topic. <laughs> yes. Um, First of all, you thank know, you so much for leaving a speak pipe here. So that is somebody from outside the industry. That's a, that is a first for Art of the Float for somebody outside the industry to leave us a message. So thank you so much for that. We really, really appreciate the insight from, from one customer and, and their experience. So I just mm -hmm. want to start out with that. But Lance, please take it. I'm just saying it's a very interesting uh, topic because – uh, we get some people coming out saying they're too hot, some people coming out saying they're too cold. Um, but we keep pretty consistent temperatures. Usually we know if there's, you know, something. If someone's going in hot, we know. If someone's going in cold, we know ahead of time. Um, but that whole thing, I think, um, there is some, some poor education on there because she said the temperature is at 32 degrees, which is 90, 89 degrees Fahrenheit, yeah. Yeah. which is cold. Yes. I floated at 89 last night when I was waiting for my water to warm up. It's cold. It's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, so going into the comment section, she was saying that people say they have to adapt to the temperature. People have to adapt to that, you know, wherever you want to keep it, 92 to 95. Just throwing that range out there. People should, I believe, adapt to that temperature because that's where you get the, the, the neutral feeling of the skin. People shouldn't be adapting to 89 degrees Fahrenheit. So she sort of 
did Maybe not like have a, the a mix of information. Yeah, and and you know that center owner when she did check it, having it eighty nine degrees, something obviously was wrong. Either yeah. heater wasn't working, or one of their systems was not working right. But um, this brings on a big thing is because I get people like hot yoga teachers. <laughs> they come to float. Um, they're in a studio six hours a day that is 40 degrees or 100 and some degrees Fahrenheit. And they jump in the float tank and they say it's cold. Well, they're working at a very high temperature. Um, you have people that come right from a workout and they say they're cold. Um, so it is something that uh, people aren't used to. They may expect a hot bath. They may expect a hot tub. They We're not used to this temperature of environment if you're new to floating. It's... It's uh, it, it does take some getting used to. I, I say that because it took me some getting used to. It yeah. took my body some getting used to before it recognized the environment that I'm in. Yeah. Can, so uh, I want to break it down a little bit. First, mm-hmm. I think all three of us agree. <laughs> I think every floater in the world agrees 89 degrees is too cold. Can, uh, yes. Like that, yes. that was not an appropriate float to offer. And um, b- before we go into like the getting used to a particular temperature or what have you, in, in my opinion, and I'll it'd be interested in your guys' opinions as well, there should have been an apology at that point. We messed up. We didn't hit the mark here. And whether it's a free float or a half-off float, I don't know if they, she stayed in the entire time. But whatever it was, I, there should have been some kind of acknowledgement of, we effed up, we're going to make it better for you. Would, mm-hmm. would you guys agree with that? If if they well first of all yeah we want to val we want to validate their feelings because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what I've been in that position it feels really crappy if you know I say look this was really unpleasant for me and someone responds with just a oh, well that's the way it is yeah. it feels crappy yeah. as yeah. a customer um, so validating is important now what I didn't understand from there were do they normally do their floats at that temperature or was that a mistake on their part because if it was a mistake on their part immediately. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we screwed up. It's our fault. You shouldn't pay for this, period. I should certainly If hope. they don't feel that they were in the wrong, then they shouldn't, of course, apologize for something mm-hmm. they didn't yeah. do wrong yeah. in their eyes or whatever. Yeah. But we still need to validate. Mm-hmm. So for us, if someone comes out and says they're cold, um, you know, we do. we like, oh, I'm so sorry you had a, a rough float. This sounds awful. I understand. Mm-hmm. Tell me, are you normally a cold person? Mm-hmm. Are you normally a hot person? Tell us a little bit about what's comfortable yep. for you. And then we'll say, just if you wouldn't mind holding a moment, I just want to take the temperature so that we know for the next time whether we need to warm this up a bit for you or we need to, you know, to take that down. Would you mind waiting here just for a moment so that we can resolve this for you? We'll take a temperature and make sure that it's not our fault, first of all, because we do want to know if it's if we screwed up and that tank was down or too high or something, then immediately we know we need to to comp that and handle mm-hmm. it in a very specific way. But if it's, you know, if it's not, if it's normal, it gives us an opportunity to educate, do a little bit more education. In our state, regulations don't allow us to go above a certain degree. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at that point, we can say we can take it to this point and we can see if that's comfortable for you if you'd like. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, work from there. Because here's the other thing, too. Like Lance was saying, if they just came from a workout, if they just came from hot yoga, you know, what if it's, you know, we see a difference whether it's cold outside or it's hot outside. Mm -hmm. 
you know, yeah. on a day that is frosty cold. Absolutely. Their skin temperature is going to be different after they came in from the snow than it is yeah. when it's, you know, 100 degrees outside and humid. And, and this is all, um, by the way, I, I should have prefaced this before I even played the speak pipe. This is all, ba- uh, she found an article, uh, The Temperature Myth, on Art of the Flow posted a few years ago. And, and that's what this is based off in the comments on that page. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't say that before. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's covered in in that article. Is it depends on the temperature outside, and yeah. like Lance said, if he's floating a hot yoga teacher, then um, that person is going to have a different experience than. And, and it's that expectations thing. Yeah. You know, it's right. it's when it's how your website educates the clients mm-hmm. what they're mm-hmm. getting to, how your brochures, how the person on the phone when they're booking. Um, people have to know they're not getting into a hot tub. Right. They're, they they can't just turn up the temperature to their comfort level. Maybe some centers you can. Um, for us, it's definitely extremely difficult now um, with the right. large temperature times it takes to heat up and cool down. It takes so long in between. But we have set temperatures for a reason because we believe as the industry, um, collectively, we have found these to be the most comfortable floating temperatures. So, I don't know. Yeah, what, I... And, oh, go ahead, Amy. <laughs> we all have a lot to say on this topic. <laughs> I know. We're like, ah. Um, and, and, you know, in our center, we have had someone who was like, didn't matter what we did, how warm we took the room, how warm we took the tank water up to the edge mm-hmm. of our, you know, the, the range. Um, she was freezing, 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 freezing. And I finally had to say, you know what, maybe floating is not for you. Mm-hmm. This sounds like it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And have you tried this therapy? And I named off some therapies, and I actually spoke to people ahead of time. I was able to get a discount to a new therapy. Um, So we tried to at least help. For some people, this may not be comfortable. Um, And there's lots of reasons for that, but that's that's okay. Uh, We can only, you know, like you said, education is huge because we aren't a hot tub. And I have had some people come in like, oh, do we get to turn on the – uh, the pumps or the jets, yeah, like jets. I'm sorry, um, no. Nope. And uh, despite the fact it's, it's pretty clear in our site, um, education is important. Mm-hmm. But but having that time of education afterwards too, because maybe mm-hmm. we missed something or yeah. maybe they missed something. But yeah, and moving around lots. Like I've had some people say, yeah. "Oh, it was great," but then near the end, I started getting cold. Well, you you when you stay still, the water around your body sort of synchronizes to your body temperature. So it feels that neutral. Once you get moving around, especially at the end of a float when you're when you're done, when you're getting antsy, you want to get out, something like that, you start moving around, you're going to, you know, you're almost hypersensitive to that touch because there's still nothing else coming in. So that's all you think about. So I always ask people, were you bouncing around lots? Did you leave the door open? All these little things that, mm-hmm. that could make a factor. And like you said, check the temperature. If it is too low, we do the exact same thing as you said, Amy. Um, refund that. But there could be very a lot of a lot of variations on on why somebody has a cold or hot float. Yeah. If if a Floridian comes in, you know we 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 know to bump up the heat <laughs> in our tanks. And so, just one thing for us is we can increase the water temperature in our tanks, but more often it's the air temperature that really makes somebody's perception of temperature mm-hmm. different. And yeah. so, and now this is going to go to the part where if, if she were to ever listen to this, she might find this a little bit more controversial, which is that the customer doesn't always know best in this case. It might seem like the water is cold when actually increased air temperature is what they need, even though it doesn't yeah. feel that way. And that's just from having run thousands of floats. You just start to understand this and, um, and it goes against their intuition. Um, so that kind of leads to the idea where I think in the comments field, some people were saying, you know, you, 
you get used to that temperature or, or, or try to get used to that temperature, I actually agree with that. I'm not going to try to convince a first-time floater of that. I might, I might still mention it, but I'm not going to try to convince them that, that that is what they need to do. I will bank first on them finding the temperature for themselves. If we can, if, if we can do a warmer temperature that makes it right for them, then we're going to do that for them first. Personally, I do agree that we've pretty much found the range, and if you give that a shot, you're going to find that's going to work out for you over time. I, I may have said this on, on the show before, <laughs> but I've always had this joke of putting a placebo meter on the side of the tank where it's just a temperature screen that has some arrows that you can go up and down, but it really doesn't do anything. <laughs> so if somebody thought they wanted, they just press the button, go back in their float, and oh, that's so much warmer. Um, I, I might still uh, build the placebo meter, and maybe I'll start distributing it to the float industry. Yeah, right. Or is, or is that wrong? Is that wrong? That's definitely wrong. And that's it'd be an interesting experiment, though. You don't have to say what it is. You just, you know, put some numbers with arrows and it's, you know, the same range as temperatures and, you know. Sure, sure. I want to go back and say one more thing, too. End of the float, I, I do see that a lot of people are getting a bit chilled. I'm assuming this is just an assumption or theory by me, but I'm assuming it's a lot like massage. And the reason that we usually have to put blankets on halfway through as people's blood pressure drops, mm. body temperature can drop just a bit as well. And so people get cold as soon as they start to really relax and get into that mm. parasympathetic state. And oftentimes I know that I'm in a, or it feels, my perception is I'm in a deeper state. You know, as the float goes on, I feel like I'm just kind of dropping and I'm getting definitely much more relaxed. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes I get a chill. But for me, I, I kind of like that feeling. But definitely not for everyone. You're so smart, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Can I, can I have that in writing? <laughs> Eliot, um, thank you so much for sending that speak pipe in. I really appreciate it. And I yeah. um, just love that we got a... Uh, outside the industry perspective on what's going on in our businesses and so that we can just take a look or just a real honest feedback of, of what somebody's experience was so that we can make sure that we put our best foots forward, best feet forward and our foots too. So uh, again, thank you so much for leaving that speak pipe and I'm going to reach out to her as well. Um, let her give a listen to this and just see if I can get any more information about the experience as well. Just the see if there's any other way that we can improve things with how we do our biz. All right, Lance, are you ready? Before we go deep into the float shack and what you're doing today, can you just give us an outline of what the float shack is, where it's at, how many tanks, all that jazz? We are a flotation studio and sensory spa. <laughs> That's a new part of the title we added in recently. Mm -hmm. Located in lovely central Alberta, Canada. Uh, we have three float tanks. Mm -hmm. I operate it with my co-founder, Matthew DeRouge. He's the man. Uh, we have one employee, and we're coming up on th almost three years. Well, not almost three years. July will be three years, and it is January. So, Fair enough. <laughs> About two and a half years, if my math is correct. <laughs> cool. So, well yeah, done. That's, that's us. That's the float shack. Um, how Start was from the ground up. You want to go? You want to go deep? You want to go right to the beginning? Well, a little bit, yeah. Like, how did you get your funding? Uh, that sort of stuff. All right, this is <laughs> all right. Here, here is what we're doing. So, um, this all started um, when Matthew and myself were down in Portland. Actually, uh, we went down for a hip hop concert. 
We hit Seattle first, then we hit uh, Portland. We rented some bicycles, and we came across a float center, and that was float on. We never went there. We saw their sign, inquired about it. That's when I found about what floating was. Uh, Matthew found out about it prior, and uh, we never got to float. So we came back to Red Deer, did our research. But yeah, we uh, closest place was about 12 hours away um, in a gentleman's basement in Abbotsford, B.C., a uh, guy named Travis uh, McLaren. Yeah, Travis McLaren. Uh, he owns Cloud9 Float Studio um, in BC there. So uh, we jumped in the car, uh, drove the Jetta to Abbotsford, slept in a 7-Eleven parking lot that night in the car, did our next float at uh, Cloud9, and then we knew we wanted to do it. Uh, so awesome. we end up... Uh, that that's just cutting it a little bit short there, but uh, I end up getting a float tank in our basement. Um, the famous story you've probably heard many times over of float tanks and basements, but that was us. Actually, where yeah. I'm recording this podcast from, this used to be the where the pump pack's at. So it's pretty ironic how um, things change <laughs> over time. Uh, but yeah, and then we decided to uh, do uh, construct our own float studio. Um, we sort of wanted to do this on a budget. We didn't want to take, well, at first we didn't want to take anything of a loan. Um, we learned uh, it costs more than we thought. So after finally getting our business plan done, all our projections, and coming to real life that there's more to a float center than four walls, um, we had to get some, some funding. So luckily at the time, my parents were currently looking at buying into some sort of franchise or something they wanted to do and um, we end up proposing to my parents instead of you know creating work for yourself how about you invest some money into us and uh, help us get going so my parents actually um, invested fifty thousand dollars that was their initial startup money and uh we got that going, and that's how we started construction. We put our money down, we got our tanks, we got got rolling, and we then end up having to get about a about another sixty thousand dollar loan from uh, the bank, and the rest was uh, sort of out of our pocket and sort of bootstrapped and things like that. But uh, we did everything ourselves. Like Matthew drew the floor plans. We went, you know hundreds of drawings we still got you know a large majority of these scraps of paper with floor plans we did all our float plans we uh did all of our construction our drywall our our painting everything except for electrical and plumbing because by code we had to get licensed journeyman um approved people to do that um, but everything else we did and being mechanics by trade we had a good hands-on experience but we're not carpenters we're not construction people um, we had to do the same thing a lot of you guys are doing, and that's hours of YouTube, hours of Google, going to the library, getting books, like getting uncomfortable and, you know, experimenting. So uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, if I was to do it again, uh, looking back, I'd probably do things a little bit different <laughs> in a few places, um, but lesson, lesson learned, you know. Um, that was the first time doing a business, first time building a business. So um, what can you expect to, uh, to have lots to learn? So, um, But yeah. yeah, we learned a lot doing that. And then we opened our doors and we thought, whew, hard part's over. 
after construction, like, whew, that was, you know, that was four months of, like, extremely long days. I was working a full-time job. Um, we had another business partner at the time, Cole. He was working a full-time job. And we were going in after hours to do construction. So we thought, yes, once once we open those fucking doors, oops, I can do that. Once we open those doors, you know, everything will be easy. We'll be able to get in a routine. <laughs> we'll have a schedule. Feed you up. Know, it will come. Cash flow just raining down, I'm sure. <laughs> and that's what and happened. And then we so. opened our doors. And it was like. <laughs> coming at 1500 different angles you know you you're focusing on you know doing laundry clients are coming in education you got mm. media wants to talk to you oh shit we don't got gift cards oh what about this oh good graphic designer here what about the website we got a spelling mistake oh email coming here someone wants to book over email do we book over email i don't know someone wants to book on twitter how do we book on twitter right. uh you know it's all these things coming for like 1500 different angles so we had a lot to learn, and um, of course, there's like I said, there's three business partners of us uh, to start, and that was myself and Matthew um, got this all going, and before we started construction, we brought on a friend I worked with by a gentleman named Cole, so he was with us all through construction, and about our first year of operating, um, but um, the first little bit, there was so much, and, and I think we all became overwhelmed especially working another job and not paying ourselves and trying to communicate between three people that are dispersed between their jobs their personal lives the, the float shack and you know everyone's all over the place it became quite difficult and um that's when we learned a lot um and that's when we actually seeked out john and uh, to start working with john is because we had communication problems and we knew that needed to be fixed so we brought on john and he helped us substantially um get to know ourselves get to know each other get to know how we you know receive information and um shortly after that uh cole our other business partner um <clears throat> decided that he didn't want to uh to do it anymore he wanted to travel and he just recently got married and um, just a lot of things going on in life, and it was a decision that he made. So um, about a year after starting our business, we had to go through sort of buying somebody out and how that process works. You know, it's never something you're expecting, uh, never something you're looking forward to, never something that's comfortable doing. So um, when things like that fall in your lap, you know, the business doesn't say, Okay, you know, we'll calm down for a bit while you figure things out. The business <laughs> just keeps on roaring and you got to deal with these other problems on on the side with everything else. So, um, had to deal with uh, a partner leaving, which is a lot to learn. And Matthew and I really had to step up and commit to each other as uh, business partners. Mm -hmm. And uh, our relationship really took a, a twist after all that happened and we are we are really committed to each other on the the business side of things and uh, we have an extremely i believe a strong business relationship that we're we're quite proud of and we've put a lot of work um into getting that it doesn't come easy anyone here that has a business partner i'm sorry here um, anyone here that has a business partner knows that uh some days it could be awesome but some days it can be quite difficult and especially if uh you're not operating in the the, the same wavelength you know sometimes there may be some yeah. heads butt and um 
you don't want to take that home with you because then you get frustrated at home and then you build things up in your head and so um, i'm just very happy some of the things we have done to work out our business relationship to the point it is today and those of you that are you know maybe having communication troubles or um, feeling upset or anything like that don't be scared to to reach out or do something unconventional to sort of um, get that uh, business relationship uh, firing on all cylinders because uh, if you're not operating right with your business partner um, things can become very difficult so just one one note I want to put out there for anyone with a partner I don't know if uh, Dylan and Amy have the same sort of thing or if I'm the only one that is that's been pretty straightforward and easy I don't know Definitely not the only one. <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's any relationship stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and in these, I mean, yeah, technically you, somebody left, but I mean, in general, like you don't just get to walk away. And it's even, it's not like you even you're dating and you're just like, nah, you know, this isn't working out. I'm going to peace out. You guys committed to something very substantial. And, yeah. um, and, and in my case, obviously, it's my now wife as well. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That uh, adds another fun layer to it as well. Um, Amy? Yeah, we always oh. we always joke, well, I've always joked that a business relationship with somebody that is not your wife, um, a business relationship <laughs> is a lot like marriage, uh, except without the sex. Right. Because <laughs> you, you argue about money, <laughs> the things in the past, the things in the future, <laughs> the colors on the walls. Well, why the lamp got moved when you didn't want the lamp to be moved, <laughs> you know, all these things. So, um, would you, you know, shut the you cupboards, can't take it please? Yeah. Would you, when you leave the room, would you make sure the cupboards are shut? Thank I you. told you I like the curtains open. Why do you close the curtains when you know I like them open? I told you. Are you attacking me? Do you attack me? Is that what you're thinking every time you do that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, Mark and I, uh, he's, he's my BFF. Uh, we were friends long before, but, but the way that we interact so many people just assume we're married oh, yeah. we used to tell them we used to you know try to explain it it's like oh screw it whatever yeah sure whatever. <laughs> we're married whatever um so there is i mean there's so much of that that type of relationship and that type of communication back and forth you're right it's just it's it is it's like a marriage it really is and yeah i definitely thought that you guys were a couple i was like wow mark did really well for himself nice <laughs> <laughs> i'll let him know that <laughs> I get to tease he Mark. Needs to be told that I hope now. so. Anyway, his work wife is. is yeah, exactly. Catch. I heard that term from you guys. Um, so, what what changes? And you went into one really important one. What other changes have you made between opening and now, as far as like growth and development of your business? Um. Well, I think as I'm continuing on with my story. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm putting this all into place. I wasn't sure exactly how deep we're going to the float shack tonight. So um, this is all sort of off the top, trying to put it into one big story here. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Matthew Matthew and I doing it ourselves. We learned that. Uh, we started to find our roles and what worked best for us. And as we move forward, um, we started to look back. Look back on the data we collected. Look back on you know, our posts, look back on all our analytics and all this stuff and uh, started to see how we how we felt about things. And that's really what brought about the rebranding. 
and uh, um, the changing of our image, which is still underway because it's I'm pretty slow at that. Mm-hmm. You can blame me for that. <clears throat> Challenge okay. anybody to get that done quickly. <laughs> that's that's a big project. Uh, but yeah, we we really felt our original design and logo and feel was sort of incomplete. Um, we didn't have, we weren't consistent. Um, it wasn't easy to print. We could, we couldn't vector it easily to enlarge it or shrink it. Like we just had a very difficult logo. So, uh, as we wanted to move forward into, well, into 2017 here, um, we wanted to come with some, a fresh start, a fresh feel, um, something that's taken a little more seriously than our previous look. And um, something that we'd feel confident to stand behind and proud to stand behind, especially when we're presenting to um, insurance companies or medical companies or doctors or or anything like that. People that, you know, want uh, you to be taken seriously. So, um, yeah, we rebranded and we're we're very happy that new website's coming. Um, So that's a big change. Uh, A lot happens in a little amount of time, like... I remember first completing the website and the branding, and you're like, this is it. I'm done. Like, whew, <laughs> check that off the list. And then a measly two and a half years later, to, you know, we're, we're redoing all these things that, you know, we, we've grown from, which right. I guess is okay. And that's, that's what you have to do is grow and, and evolve. Right. That's what yeah. we're doing. And yeah, I mean, you come in yeah. with an idea of who, what you stand for and all that, but then I think that evolves over time, and it, it – you, you create something and then you get the feedback loop and then, yeah, you want to update and reiterate to reflect better what you want to manifest, right? Is that something vaguely accurate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I gotcha. And I know our branding, uh, our branding guru who worked with us, um, she says that's very normal uh, that people go through almost naturally a new branding every three or so years they go through a refresh to do something that reflects them. Mm-hmm. So he's just about hitting his three-year mark and so I think that's... Yeah. That's a beautiful and, thing. And I think, like, we learned a lot. Like, I think since negative day one, we were learning, constantly learning that less is more. And everything we created, there's so much, so much website, so much brochure, so much logo, so much, everything, so much, it was ineffective. So as we move forward to our, you know, 2.0 version, um, everything has been simpler. So mm. as we move forward with here, we basically, our main logo is a text. So as we move forward from here, what's going to change with that? Uh, maybe the texture of it or the font, if we do a rebranding, not much is going to change from that. So um, I think we got a good platform to work off of, but I think you're right. Every few years, it's good to do a refresher. It's good to, you know, have new stuff coming out. And I think that reflects on a business um, in a great way as well. Um, but, yeah, uh, that's a little bit of our business. Um, one of the mistakes that we've made, I uh, just want to throw that out there, was we sort of fell for the radio thing. Oh, that's um, right. We, know, we knew coming into it, we're like, no, nope, we're not going to do radio. It doesn't work for the float industry. No, nope, no, no radio, no matter what. I went into the radio station. I was like, hey, I want to give you 10 free floats to handle in the air. The guy's like, oh, yeah, great, sure. Next thing you know, a salesman comes up, you know, to the float shack, and he's you know, just a salesman, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And used sort of my gorilla, not really gorilla technique, but he flipped everything I did around, and I ended up signing up for radio for, I think it was three months. And that was a complete fail. I think 
We had three months, and I think we spent more on that than I've spent on social media to date. So, <laughs> right, right. Wow. And yeah. I don't even think on two hands you could put the amount of people come in that heard of us from the radio. Right. So it was that little. Like, we had a live on air on our, like, grand opening, live on air, big celebration, and there's, like, tumbleweeds blowing through our lobby. It was uh, it wasn't oh. good. So uh, the next year we did a geotargeting campaign, and that was complete offset, complete success, nice. wonderful, and about you know a thirty second of the dollar spent. So that's yep. just that's one different. of the biggest mistakes I believe we have made at the float shack. But uh, if you've listened to the previous podcasts, I don't call them mistakes. I call them lessons learned. Lessons. If, if I can so. co- commiserate or I co-share a lesson learned, uh, I, something I forgot is we had a nice salesman from, I think it was LA Fitness come in, complete with like the orange skin and the gold chain. And he convinced both Sandra and I in the room that we should uh, be doing these uh, advertisements in LA Fitness. And we got free pass. I don't want to get into this. They they wouldn't give us the... He offered free passes, and then they wouldn't honor them. It was very frustrating. But anyway, uh, we go in there, and we realize nobody's looking at these TV screens that have these advertisements. Like it, We just threw money out the window, and that was a nice lesson learned, real opportunity there for learning. So just, just wanted to share that bit, too. But please, continue. Yeah, well, that's... Just, just saying, that's... To share that with people, it's one of the mistakes I made. We're all going to make mistakes. Don't be ashamed of it. Uh, just admitting you made a mistake and learning from that is the best way to move forward. Um, but that's a little bit about our business, I guess. Um, Red Deer, we only have 100,000 people in our city, so we're operating on quite a small scale compared to a lot of float centers and, and people operating in larger-scale cities. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about our space. I guess, because that's probably the coolest part about the flow check (laughs) is our space. Um, So we have our basically area set up into three main sections. Um, We have one section that is 1,600 square feet, and that's our front lobby. Uh, We have a back section that's roughly about... I believe 900 square feet that is currently undeveloped that houses all of our wood and tools and toys and photo booths and all the fun (laughs) stuff that goes when you have excess amount of space sitting in. I was going to say that all fits in one bathroom closet at the float shop. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, And then we have another space where all of our float tanks are. Um, We have enough uh, designed for essentially five float rooms. And a closet. Um, right now we have three float rooms occupied. Um, the fourth one we're going to be building is another float tank. We don't see a need for a fifth. Um, I just don't think our city has the capacity um, for a fifth. Uh, we think we can use that other room um, in an alternative way. So right now what our thoughts are is turning that fifth room into sort of a members-only room. I think we've talked about this on the podcast multiple times, and that really excites me. Um, So this will be a room that's the size of a float room, and I'm hoping to have like a sauna in there, our inversion table. I want a whole bunch of Himalayan salt so you can sort of have like a halo therapy section, Um, a bunch of myofascial release tools and things like that, and just a place where... 
the members can go and it, it creates that exclusivity of, of being a, is that even a word? I believe so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It it is now. Cool. So all these things are going to be in. That's right. And just make up in one room. That's Uh, right. Rules. Yes. It's all good. Um, Right now we have a giant front desk, uh, multiple seating areas and a a shack. Um, The shack in the corner was actually a shed from my farm that uh, we ripped down (laughs) and ripped out all the nails and ripped apart all the boards and and threw it in the truck and brought it to the float shack and built uh, like a sort of a creative artistic version of I don't know what we call the shack it's just a quieter place for people to read or write or be to themselves or for us to have meetings in which usually happens all the time Um, but it's a cool little corner that has come to be Sort of one of the signatures of our place. We have a ton of books in there. Most of them brought by um, our floaters. Um, cool. We have other things that a lot of centers don't have. We have a ton of musical instruments. So we have <laughs> we have some like hand drums and like finger pianos and ukuleles and guitars and harmonicas and like all sorts of random. Most of them are like. Um, basically thrifted instruments or instruments that come from third world countries that are made out of garbage. Um, so we have a lot of fun. Some people will just jam out and play on some music. Um, but yeah, the shack's a cool little corner, but uh, our space is going to be changing up here a little bit. And I got this inspiration. I seen it on somewhere. Someone tagged the lady that may have uh, gave me the inspiration, but I heard the term sensory spa. And I completely fell in love with that, Mm -hmm. Uh, mainly because it's new and it's different and it describes everything I want to, everything I like want to be. Um, We offer so much more than just a float Mm -hmm. Um, my business and your business and everyone's business uh, listening. You offer more than just a float. You offer your environment, your personality, your employees, how clean you are. So much more comes with that service than just a float. And we have this large amount of space. Uh, We want this space to actually be used and enjoyed by our customers, people in our community, our members, um, for it to actually be used instead of just house furniture. And a big problem we have with having a large amount of space is very open and when things are open they're not very inviting um they're echoey they're um our lobby you can sort of overhear conversations very easily there's not that break of sound and with the way our desk is um it feels like we're we sit up above everyone and we're like the captain of the ship (laughs) overlooking everyone and i believe that makes it feel a bit uncomfortable for people so we've already started um, in our lobby with some of the the construction the updates we're doing um, we put a bar in um, by bar I mean um, just basically a countertop um, with some filtered water so we don't have to pay for 20 liter jugs of water every month um, we got some good RO water coming in nice. and um, we got some kombucha on tap and we have some other drinks and stuff that we're going to be selling and a place for snacks, stuff like different trail mixes or granolas or different 
finger foods we could um, distribute by the, the cup or the little bowl, something like that. Um, and that bar also helped divide the space up. Um, one of the big errors in our space is everyone's sitting in the lobby. You have a clear view to the, like the bathrooms. And sometimes that would be awkward for some people um, that may have some loud business happening in the <laughs> bathroom. Um, it's so, amazing the things we have to think about. Yeah, I so I, I try to divide the bathroom in our space up with some like trees or some plants we oh, have, nice. some tall mm -hmm. plants. Um, but that really wasn't cutting it. So this bar was that was one of the main goals of it was to help sort of break that view from our customers that are just getting there or getting out of a float from things going on in the bathroom. Fair enough. And um, we're also going to be dividing the space. Uh, between our desk and our seating area for the same reason. Um, so it doesn't feel like we're overlooking our customers. Mm -hmm. I want them to feel like comfortable and taken care of is something, a term that I heard come up recently that I really fell in love with. Um, I've had somebody that's come, came to my business and said they really felt like they were taken care of. Um, awesome. It's a nice, that gives, nice compliment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that gives me inspiration yeah. to sort of run with that and make that one of my goals. I want every person that come through that door to feel like they're taken care of, to not feel uh, misled or um, uncomfortable or um, so, so I, I'm just trying to play this all in my head right now. Mm -hmm. And right now, sometimes when people come in through our door, they don't know where to go. So if we're cleaning tanks or something, they're awkwardly walking around or like looking down the hallway waiting for somebody to come up. Um, we're going to be fixing that by simple signage. So getting proper signage nicely engraved, put into place. So when people walk in, we direct them to either the waiting or the waiver, uh, the front desk or um, uh, the seating area if they've been here before. Um, when somebody wants a tea, here's instructions on how to get the tea. Uh -huh. um, if somebody wants to, you know, uh, use these games or these things that are in the corner, here's instructions on how to do that. That's something we don't have and we've sort of um, failed to have in our places is clear signage and direction for people. So as part of okay. being taken care of, I want people from the minute they walk into our door to be able to instantly see signage, see things, and answer the questions for themselves. So it takes that hassle and that, like, uncomfortableness or that newness away from, mm -hmm. from them, if that cool. makes nice. any sense yeah. whatsoever. Make it easier to get in there. Get in, get, get into out. Into the groove, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. May, may I ask, um, before going even further, is it okay, and I don't need you to share exact financials or anything like that, but I'm curious, like, opening day to first six months and then on, financially, like, how stable have you been? Have you guys, has that been something you guys have, <laughs> you mentioned fighting about money earlier. Is that something that's been a big deal over, over time? Can, can you talk about that? Uh, well, we've definitely had our ups and downs, and um, when we started, like, we like I said, sort of bootstrapped everything. Not really bootstrapped. We had a little bit of a loan. Um, but we wanted to do everything without taking out the big loan just to get it done. So, um, you know, instead of getting $10,000 to do this project, we're now stretching that over like eight months or a year mm -hmm. and trying to pick at it here and there. Mm -hmm. 
And then when you build up all these projects where you're spread out and you have to do all these little bits here and there because you didn't just do it at once, mm -hmm. um, times can get, you know, a bit stressful for that. Um, not projecting properly, not planning for the future mm. properly can mm. get stressful. Um, yeah. Poor scheduling can get stressful. Um, yeah, we financially have had our ups and downs. We're not, you know, I'm not laughing, you know, in, in my big stack of cash that I roll around in all night. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, quite frankly, it's not what I thought it would be. Um, but we're, we're happy with where we are and the direction we're going. And we're happy that we have taken the time to build a really solid foundation and didn't rush anything. Nice. Okay. Uh, we have done everything from getting a USA, a unanimous shareholders, shareholders agreement, which cost a few thousands of dollars, went through with lawyers, accountants, something like that that a lot of people don't get. But that has saved us a few times. Um, we has really established ourselves in the community as sort of a destination place in our city. Um, people refer to like our area. Um, oh, you know where the float shack is? Oh, nice. yeah, we're just by there. So nice. um, just being, you know, in three years, um, huh, having right. that foundation um, feels good. Um, but when we brought those float tanks to our basement, I think we knew one person that knew what floating was. We brought this to like very conservative oil field farmer, right. um, central Alberta. Mm -hmm. And we're like, yeah, let's, let's give it a go. Either they, <laughs> we, they take it and, and run with it mm -hmm. or it, uh, you know, we completely fail. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, our city has been very receptive nice. of, of floating for sure. Um, one thing for us is we pretty much started in the middle of the worst recession our province has ever been in. Mm. So starting, um, so when we got going, we weren't in recession. So when we were under construction, um, things started to take a dive probably, oh, I would say probably about two or three months after we opened up, things really wow. started to decline rapidly. And then um, turned out, you know, thousands of people um, across the province lost their jobs. We had a change in government. Even more people lost their jobs. And we went from one of the, like, wealthiest um, provinces in the, the country to one in, with uh, the highest unemployment rates. So it's, um, it's interesting to, to start up in something like this, but... Uh, um, I've, I've been told, like John has mentioned, businesses that, that start up in the middle of a low time, um, when things get going good, mm -hmm. um, things are really good. Um, versus those who start in a really good time and then things go bad and they're completely unprepared. Right. They don't understand what it's like to be slow. What do you mean? My tanks are empty, this or that. Um, but... Yeah, I'm, I must say, like starting a business has its ups and downs, especially if you're one of those people that are getting into your first ever business. You right. may think you know what you're doing, <laughs> and you'll, you'll you may think, but you don't know shit. Like it's it's <laughs> interdimensional, never ending, <laughs> like context upon context of information just falling on you because mm -hmm. you have to worry about marketing, keeping your customers happy, your employees, your your float tanks running. 
your float tanks mm-hmm. right you're not flooding you're paying your bills you're paying <laughs> all your government stuff but those documents you can barely read because they're just government documents like mm-hmm. all those things you don't you don't cross your t's and dot your i's and those things will catch up to you um that's why it's you know around here there's been a lot of float centers open up in the past well most of them i'd say in the past one to two years but in the past four years all the float centers has opened up around here um sometimes if people don't you know cross their t's and dot their i's around the four or five year mark you start to see those who are saying yeah the government keeps calling and i don't understand (laughs) why they want me to pay this you know damn fee i did nothing about that i didn't know i was supposed to file for that number so um um yeah, there's just a lot to know, and um, take your time. Ask for advice. Ask around. I'm constantly learning. Everyone's constantly learning. So uh, so now with, with the new plans of the Float Shack, with offering these other, I don't want to call them, uh, how about experiences? Is that appropriate? Yeah. Uh, what, what is the financial drive for that? Um, not to say that's your only drive, but what's the financial return to having these different features? Well, I, yeah, financial drive is not necessarily um, our main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it sort of all drives back to that, but um, we have 1,600 square feet that doesn't get used mm-hmm. very often. Mm-hmm. So we want that space to get used. The more people that get into our space, the more people that are going to be talking about floating. So I want to utilize this 1,600 square feet to essentially get people into the doors to feel comfortable whether they're floating or not. We have the space if somebody wants to come in here to have a a coffee and a snack and to hang out in one of our corners, they can can certainly do that. Um, But this drives back to the main focus of memberships. Um, This is a place for our members and... Okay, um, so all... Okay, got it. I, I didn't... No, it's not all for members, but I'm just saying like we want we want our members to be people that feel part. They're part of something. They're part of a community. And as we move forward with this space, we're going to be hosting our member meetup nights with different like we have teachers planned for each of them. And we have the whole year planned out on what we're going to be doing for these member meetup nights. Nice. And um, we feel the more the more members we have. the more we can get these people together under one roof, that's when true ideas are going to spread. That's when magic's going to happen. You get two people that are like-minded in the same room talking about something that fascinates them both. The next thing you know, they're starting <laughs> a business and they got a tech company and boo do do do. So um, our community is very, uh, there isn't very many places for people to go that isn't a bar, that mm-hmm. isn't a restaurant, or it's not a cafe. All, like any good coffee shop around here closes at four and then we're left with like a Starbucks, which I don't want to be at Starbucks at 930. I'm not going to lie. That's not my forte. But you don't necessarily want to be at a bar. But I don't want to be at a bar. I, yeah. You know, I don't want to don't want to be in that. So I want to create a space that's essentially a place for people to just be. If you want if you want some food, there's some food. You want some drinks, there's some drinks. You want to play a board game. There's a board game. You want to sit and uh, read. You can read. You want to draw? Well, there's a drafting table. 
and everything you need. Like places set up where people can just go to. We have a section. Um, everything is broken up. Uh, I never explained this. Everything, every seating area is broken up into a different sensory group. So we're going to have one for tactile, where this is all going to be about getting comfy. Going to be laying out, relaxing, comfy chairs, comfy things around you, um, place just to let go physically. Um, we're going to have another section that is an audio section. So we're going to have different things that um, can, you know, relax you or excite you and through your audio so that can be uh, different binaural beats using transducers and different frequencies um, there's also some new things which i've recently set, found out about which is called nirvana so nirvana is this handheld device <clears throat> that you put these earbuds in your ears and you play your music through nirvana and it actually sends electrical pulses um, into a certain nerve that's in your ear and it actually um it, it creates do it, it tells your body to produce dopamine it, it gets you somewhat high hmm. um, it makes you feel good it relaxes you so we're gonna have things like that where um, you know someone can go listen to some binaural beats sit in a comfy chair maybe use this nirvana uh, we're gonna have another section that is a uh, visual so what I plan to be doing on this um, right now we have our shack that's in the corner of our lobby I'm actually going to be draping this fabric over top and I'm going to be putting a projector from overhead so the whole roof of the shack is actually a video projection. Um, so I'm hoping that that can be a cool place for people to sort of... You can do all sorts of the cool things. They have the International Space Station that's on a live feed. Um, if you were to look up at the ceiling and see that playing live, um, I think that'd be pretty cool. Nice. And then we're going to have a... <laughs> section for um, taste and smell so we're gonna have lots of smelly plants in that section and some edible plants in mm -mm. that section mm -mm. are the police going gonna be okay uh, with this <laughs> 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 oh the police will be okay with it everyone's okay at the float shack nice, nice. <laughs> no. and then that's where we also have our our bar i spoke about earlier we're gonna have mm -hmm. some different foods and snacks and drinks and things like that so, so this um, is i want to Go this ahead. isn't necessarily like come in, spend more money on these things. It's uh, we create an environment that makes you want to hang out. And I'm sorry, I keep trying to want to put it into the business model mode is because you're here, you're just more likely to want to spend time here, yeah. experience the float, be part of this community. It goes so much floats. further than that. Okay, if somebody comes into your center, somebody comes into your center, I have people that do this now. I have a member, uh, he brings a girl on the date, mm -hmm. and they come to our center. And they hang out. They bring their own coffee right now. They bring their own snacks. They hang out. They laugh. They're sitting all over the place playing instruments, um, talking like that. She goes home the next day, talks to her friends. Oh, my God. I was at the float shack last night. It was so much fun. I didn't know it existed. Next thing you know, her two friends are coming back to float. So simply having the space and creating an environment where people feel welcome, mm -hmm. they're going to talk about that. So what happens if one of those people come in and they take a picture of your space from the most creative, artistic, <laughs> hip photo you could possibly have. And they put that on social media and they have 6,000 followers in your local area. Next thing you know, a picture of your space with your tag is out to 6,000 followers that may not be out there because that person may not want to come to float. 
And right now, we, don't, we have an offbeat location. By offbeat location, I don't know why I said that, but what I mean by that <laughs> is uh, we're off the beaten path, per se. Right. So you. you have to like leave the core sort of downtown area and drive a bit out of the way um, to get to our area. So um, our biggest thing is getting people into the door. Um, so we, when we're marketing, we have to market to these people, however we market to them, social media, um, print, whatever we decide to do. Right. We have to get those people to our door. Once they get into our door, they see our space, they see our float tanks, they answer our questions. Suddenly they're not claustrophobic. Suddenly they're not afraid of the dark. Suddenly they're not scared of electric eels in the water. <laughs> like we're able to answer the questions and, and literally convert that um, convert them into a client. Cool. So I think it's very important to have people in your space. Um, we're fortunate enough to have a lot of space to do that, um, mm. but we haven't utilized it. So maybe that's poor mismanagement on us and we're paying square footage that um, we shouldn't have been, right? But now it's, it's time to turn that around and create a space that truly um, serves this purpose. We also nice. have a giant deck that's that's huge. So we're doing some things um, in the summer out there that will really create an environment that people will, will want to come to simply simply hang out or be. So, awesome. Um, mm. I don't know if that all makes sense. I've sort of went all over the map with everything I talked I think it all, it all eventually tonight. kind of adds up together. And I think that the main thing that you're doing is promoting community. And you've made that very clear on all the, all the episodes we've had, that that's a huge drive for you at the Float Shack. And yeah. I think that's clearly expressed by having these different uh, experiences yeah. that for people to have while they're in your space. And, yeah. you, and you I just see, I see space for something new. Like, mm. um, this, this whole area uh, of creating... A space for people to hang out like I feel like maybe it's not around me I'm not in the big cities but I feel like there is nothing around like it where you know we have board game cafes where there's so much action and all this board game and it's a really upbeat environment we have the bars we have all these other things but nothing that like sort of combines it all into one without a, a title so I want to try and like create my own thing here just roll with it you know what, what i like most is that uh the float center design isn't done yet you know like it there's no exactly. refined, this is what a float center is supposed to be like and this is how you have exactly success, or this is how it's thank done. you mm -hmm. and that's what i like that's what i like we are not defined and as we're as we're moving forward as an industry every day we're starting to define what that is um but there are no rules you right. are your boss do what makes you happy, uh, quote unquote, in a responsible way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so actually think about your decisions, think about your money spending, but be creative. Have fun. If you want to do something different, do it. Mm -hmm. People will see that authentic. Yeah. We, we spoke right. about this at the conference. Sorry, Amy. No, no, no. Uh, don't be. And, and I think it is it is important to look at it as this is really individual. Our float industry, mm -hmm. you know, the way that we're developing, some people are developing more towards athletes. Some mm -hmm. are doing it more of a spa. Um, and you have to take in things in things into consideration. You know, the one thing about you, Lance, is you have you started out with two tanks. You have obviously a large amount of space um, and you could handle that overhead with two tanks. So you're getting a third one, you know, you're still supporting that space and you're able to do that. 
Um, and I think what, what really needs to be drawn out and brought out is that what you've done is something that's true to you. It expresses who you are, expresses mm -hmm. what you want mm -hmm. for your people. And whether you have 1,600 square feet, which, by the way, is larger than my entire <laughs> center, that is one and a half sizes, or one and a half times the size of my center, um, or if you have a seven by nine uh, foot office or lobby area like mine mm -hmm. is, um, you can still make it. Uh, an experience for people yeah. there's there's not you know you did it as you could afford it you yeah. did it with some money and there's there's no reason you have to go out and make this grand thing it's even the small things that create this environment Very much and so. the and yeah you can care for your people you can create that experience that emotional connection no matter if you have 1600 you have mm -hmm. uh you know uh 60 some hundreds six 630 some square mm -hmm. feet um, it can be done and it can be a beautiful thing. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's, we did it as sort of money permitted. And a lot of that came from, from out of pocket per se, because, um, a lot of it came from thrift stores or garage sales or Kijiji or Craigslist sort of thing, where it was finding little things that would help build character or, you know, create some sort of feel I was looking for in some spot. Um, yeah, there are no rules and you can do it in any way, shape or form you have. Um, you don't need a ton of space. Anyone could do it. Every float center is a bit different. You, you know, you look at all the photos of float centers and people are doing it in their centers as it is. Um, but it's just a really cool, not many industries do we get to be a part of where we're at such a young age. I feel like we've been saying this for years already, but <laughs> yeah, we're right? still at <laughs> such a young age. Mm -hmm. Um, so. I'm curious, and now I know that you're not done with all the plans that you have now. Like, you're still executing those things. But re looking out maybe five years from now, where do you see the float shack going? More float tanks, more experiences, things to charge for? What What? Uh, what are your plans? Well, I think everything's, everything is going to revolve around the float tanks. That's the central vision of everything we have because the the sole experience of floating you can take with you in so many different aspects of your life. Your day-to-day -day life is affected by simply doing nothing. So everything is going to be, revolve around floating. But I, I don't know um, where in five years from now that will lead because so much has changed <laughs> in the three years that this has all been around. So yeah. that's a very hard answer to question, or very hard question to answer. I said that backwards. <laughs> Um, but I would like you've to do, have this You've been doing a lot of done. talking, Lance. It's all right. It's okay. I, I, I would like to have this space done, um, this space mm. divided up by the senses. Um, I would like to see we have potential to build a second level in our place so we Jeez. can do a whole other 1,200 <sighs> square feet um, second level. My so envy will I would never like to cease. see that done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> I got some cool drawings for that when that yes. happens. Um, I would like to see that done with some different um, rooms and amenities and different type of lounge up there. <laughs> and and uh, uh, we also have that square footage in the back that's not being used. Um, that I'm hoping to turn into strictly a community space for group classes, um, things like that. Um, we've also talked about having sort of a sort of like a maker's sort of market somewhat of a thing oh, wow. where we have a room for somebody to do 
like podcasts or audio recordings. Oh, um, we have a room with a green screen and proper lighting to do video work. Um, we have um, another room to do proper, say, printing. And, you know, basically all the the context of running a business or building a business or building a brand, mm-hmm. uh, we could have under one roof where anybody can use. You just have to have proper, you know, training or certification, whatever you call uh, and that, that again, emphasizes on community. So you have a community space where you can do group classes. You have a place where you can do business meetings and record that with high-quality audio and video. Um, you know, you have a place to, you know, do a meditation workshop. You have a place to do a yoga class. You have a place to get a massage, place to be in a sauna, place to get in the float tank, place to feel comfortable, place to get a drink, place to get a snack. I guess a wellness center? I yeah, don't know. Right. <laughs> a wellness center that's fun and groovy. What's not fun about the float shop? I don't know what you. Why are you talking the float shop? It's not fun. No, uh, let's... I, I wish I could say I could start a psychedelic psychotherapy retreat um, somewhere in the woods. We know somebody like, uh, who's Rick, working on that, we'll like Rick Doblin talked about. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome. I hey. do that for a living. <laughs> hey, if you if it's your dream, uh, Lance, thank you so much for. <laughs> <laughs> just really going in depth on the float shack and filling, <laughs> filling everybody in on what's the history of it, what it's doing now and, and where, where it might go based off uh, your passions and all that. So thank you very much for sharing. I, I appreciate it. Um, Amy, is there anything else you want to ask Lance? You know, Lance, uh, I think you're doing some really, really good mm. stuff, but I do, I have to go back to this business thing cause I'm curious um, and you have to remember, here's where I'm coming from. Um, I, because land and or commercial real estate is so expensive where I'm at right now, mm-hmm. um, not monetizing mm. would kill me. And it's very hard to find that balance between wanting to give them what they want and, uh, and what I want to give them mm-hmm. and knowing I have to cover overhead of that and, you know, still make enough money to, to live. Um, so I'm curious, in the future, you're talking about all these things, all these things, the different lounge and that sort of thing. Are there plans to monetize some of the space? Because, man, that would be such a dream for a lot of people listening. Do you have plans? Is, is that uh, eventually a goal to create? Um, you know, you're talking about these rooms and that sort of thing. I think that can be an incredible gift to the community, um, particularly if it's affordable. And yet I think it even builds a bigger bond if there's some sort of... Um, uh, input from them, you know, they have a little bit of skin in the game as well as you. Do you have plans for that in the future? Or, or is this really something that this is your heart and this is what you want to do and this is what you're able to do for them is to give this away? Well, some of the other rooms um, that I talked about in the back was sort of the, the podcast and meeting room and group room and things like that. They would all be, mm-hmm. they would all be rented out um, as per gotcha. what we okay. so choose to charge. Um, right now, I don't think I could monetize on the space, but with my final vision of what I think I have, if I have, you know, all these things, like I said, this, um, say like a Lucia light and, um, Uh a massage chair and different aromatherapy things and that Nirvana and all these things in one place, um, I could easily say if you want to, you know, spend here at the float shack, there's a, there's a $14 drop in. You know, the $14 drop-in includes a beverage of your choice and a snack of your choice and free use to anything that's available. So, um, but uh, members, 
this is your lounge. You know, use it. You're you're complimentary because you have a membership. So thus, instead of paying, you know, $14 drop-in four times a month, you sign up for a float membership, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then creating um, these um, member meetup nights where we have different uh, workshops or invite different speakers. Um, this will, you know, bring people together in the space, which will then build that community around floating and around, um, you know, everything else that's offered, you know. So um, that my end vision, I think there is a way to profit from it. But, you know, if I went out and got a loan today, I could build this all and get it done. But, you know, I'm doing it as we save up. And when it's time to spend $500 here and $1,000 here, um, but... Yeah, I, I hope yeah. to see it come sooner than later, and it's coming piece by piece. So, but. And I have one final question. This is just Please. for my curiosity because I think it's kind of a cool thing. Um, what you're describing now sounds like you're, you're utilizing it almost as not only to take care of your clients but also as a marketing tool, as an opportunity to show them what you can do for them. Um, do you have any plans in place to measure how this is increasing your bottom line? Are you thinking about – like? I don't know. Okay, so this is me, and y'all have to remember I'm a numbers freak, and I really enjoy statistics and that sort of thing. So for me, it's like I'd start paying attention. How much longer are they sitting there? Do I have more people hanging out? How often is that space occupied? Because quite frankly, I think that would be fascinating and could end up producing some really interesting stuff. Well, I, so any, any I don't like – I don't track um, those precise – you know, things, but I can tell you, I'm in my float mm-hmm. center every day. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and ever since day one, I've been tweaking everything um, to make the customer experience um, the best it can be. And now I see people staying longer. I see them coming mm-hmm. off hours. I see um, all this coming together. Um, I'm not tracking it, though. I should be tracking it, but I, I, uh, that's hard to track. Oh, we yeah. know there's so many, yeah. like things to track i know i know so um i i the customer experience means a lot to me i think that's my central focus around everything and i feel like i'm like a temple grandin sort of thing where i can go in and and like see things and how it makes me feel and colors and lights and shades and and the way the sun shines in and where the plants are all these things affect me differently and I know that affects the client differently. So things mm-hmm. like I've spoken on the back, changing our lights, getting rid of fluorescent lights made people stay longer. Changing the arrangement of furniture made people mm-hmm. stay longer. Um, putting different like plants to, to break up the space made people stay longer. Um, having tea and drinks that are easily accessible and labeled makes people stay longer. Like all these things I, I'm you know, slowly learning. Um, but I, I would like to track it. You are right, Amy. I should be tracking it. So. I think it's fascinating. And that's not a, that's not a, but, a slam or anything. I really, I'm really excited and I'm, I'm super curious. I, so I've always said that, um, our, our lobby is our biggest marketing tool because that's the photos that go in the paper. That's our website. That's our social media. That's every person that comes in with a cell phone. That's what they're going to take photos of for us, for mm-hmm. us. I'm speaking mm-hmm. personally. Right. So right, right, we sure. treat that as a marketing tool. It's always kept clean. It's always kept organized. Like we try and keep everything on point for that reason. So um, Super smart. Mm-hmm. It is. I love it. 
Well, I think uh, if, if you are consistent with all these things and you continue to get speakers in and continue to push this vision, I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that there will be success. I mean, just consistency alone uh, breeds success. So mm. I'm looking forward to your personal success and your business's success. So thank you again for sharing. And if anybody has any questions for Lance, I'm, I'm sure he's on Float, uh, Float Collective, of course. But uh, you can also, you can, well, yeah, leave a speak pipe. And, uh, and Lance, of course, will answer any of your questions on, on uh, his, his float shack and his vision and all the plans yeah. that he has going on. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it so much. Um, again, you can find us on all the social medias at Art of the Float. Artofthefloat.com is where you want to go to see pictures of Lance's uh, business. We'll, we'll put some up there. A view of Amy's window. Anything we, Any products we ever talk about are on there. And uh, that's also where you can leave a speak pipe. It's the gold bar on the left side of the screen. Thanks, everybody, for supporting us through Amazon on those click-throughs. And, um, yeah, until next time, remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. You're listening to Art of the Float. 